Stroud watching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown, Smith and Jigba. Are you kidding me? Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. October is for pretenders. November is for contenders. These were the words of LSU coach Brian Kelly in the locker room after defeating Alabama and earning his signature win in Baton Rouge. Georgia proved they're still the team to beat and wild weather and whipping wins in the Big Ten on an unexpected chaotic Saturday of college football. This is the Saturday Cadence podcast presented by the Silver Bulletin. Blake Biscardi and Dave Wertheim with you. Dave, let's start with the showdowns in the SEC. What surprised you more? LSU upsetting Alabama or the way Georgia was able to handle Tennessee? Definitely LSU upsetting Alabama. Um, The Georgia-Tennessee game was an outcome that you could have easily seen coming. Um, Tennessee had obviously played Alabama and beat them um, at home, Uh, but Georgia is still the reigning champs and still the reigning SEC East champs, and uh, it would have been really hard for Tennessee to win that game on the road. I'm not entirely surprised by that outcome. Whereas I did not expect Alabama to lose that game. You know, I didn't think LSU would be able to put together a capable, capable performance like they did Um, going for two there in overtime was I think the right decision. And obviously you can look back at that differently if the play fails, but I'm confident I would, I would have said it was the correct decision anyway. And that's a real big win for LSU. Brian Kelly needed that one. And uh, you know, he's proving that he's, he's among the elite coaches and not just the SEC, but in the NCAA, the guys won wherever he's went. Um, and it's just been pretty impressive to see his growth and his team's growth throughout the season so far. Yeah, it has been. And we talked about it last week. We thought Alabama was going to go into Baton Rouge and just kind of roll as as they've done in the last couple of years. But I mean, LSU took it to them. They had a great game plan. They had a great scheme. They slowed down Bryce Young. You just forced a turnover basically on Bryce Young. That was all we heard of him in the first half. So they played really well. And how about Brian Kelly getting that win? Like you said, his first year in LSU, and he gets that kind of a win. He beats Alabama, beats Nick Saban. That's the king of the SEC, and he gets that win in his first year. That credibility and what that's going to do in recruiting going forward, there was so much wrapped inside that two-point conversion call. And like you said, it's a play you celebrate if it's good, and you criticize them and crucify them if they don't get it. But I I think it was the right decision as well to go for two, and it it was incredible to watch that entire game and really uncharacteristic of Alabama to perform in the way that they did because this is not the Alabama team that we're used to seeing under Nick Saban. They don't have the dominant offensive line, and they don't have the perimeter receivers outside. But most importantly, have you heard of Will Anderson much this year? Because I can't remember hearing much about him. He really wasn't a big factor in the LSU game or even against Tennessee. No, I haven't really heard Will Anderson's name much this year at all. Um, You know, a guy who was expected to be in the Heisman conversation uh, was in certainly one of the best overall defenders in the country. And he hasn't really lived up to that this year. And, you know, obviously I'm sure teams are scheming away from him and that's always difficult on a defensive lineman. If you can't get help from the other side or from the interior. Um, And like you said, the Bama really on the offensive and defensive line just isn't as dominant as they usually are. You know, they usually win the line of scrimmage and that sets the tone for the rest of the team. 
And they haven't been able to do that this year. But another thing that's kind of uncharacteristic has been their penalty issues in big games. Uh, Double-digit penalties here the last couple of times in these big games, and you just can't do that in the SEC. You can't do it in the SEC on the road. Uh, And an uncharacteristic season really all around for Alabama, a team that doesn't usually lose one game, let alone two. Um, and we're not even done yet. They've got a big game this weekend and then the Iron Bowl and who knows where they'll be in the postseason. So, you know, Alabama feasibly could lose another one. And it's just really been an interesting season for them. Yeah, it has been. And now LSU's in the driver's seat in the SEC West and Georgia has a stranglehold on the SEC East. So that's going to be an interesting matchup in Atlanta there. And LSU, if they can find a way to get a win, we could really have some chaos on our hands with the college football playoff and LSU potentially being the first two-loss team to make the field. But getting into Georgia real quick over Tennessee, they just came out and took it to them. There was the early turnover in that game, and Tennessee goes on the field, then Georgia forces a field goal and kind of settled everything back down. And then Stetson Bennett hits the long throw uh, down the seam, and Georgia was off and running from that moment forward. And I know they had some weather in the second half, and it looked like similar to Georgia and Oregon, where Georgia kept could have scored more points than they did, but Georgia was clearly the better team and the more dominant team on Saturday in Athens. Yeah, it's not really a surprise. You know, Tennessee's a great story. Um, they've you come from the depths of struggle to the peak, you know, number one. And um, this was a big game for them. And, and Georgia's just a more talented team. And I know I talked about this last week as a game that Tennessee probably wasn't going to win. And, um, you know, Josh Heupel, now the rest of the season, it's where do you go from here? You know, obviously they probably won't make the SEC championship game unless Georgia fails twice, I guess, uh, which seems incredibly unlikely. And then um, you just have to pray that the dominoes fall in place for a potential one loss Tennessee to make the playoff. Obviously they have to win the rest of the games on their schedule as well before that can even be considered. But, you know, for Josh Heupel, it's just how about his team responds the rest of the season, whether that's in the playoff, whether that's in a new year's six game, uh, in the regular season as well. It's just going to be uh, imperative for them really to respond the right way and establish themselves as a program that's still going to go out there and win. And then, you know, you come back next year and try and insert yourself again. Yeah, we talk about Georgia and we've always used the word complete with Georgia. Now they've been up and down with those performances. You know, they've dominated teams like Oregon and Tennessee, and then they've kind of slept through games against Kent State and Missouri. But the whole season, Georgia's been complete. Ohio State's been complete. Michigan's been complete. When you talk about Tennessee, you talk about their offense. And I think what this game really showed is how you need to be complete and you need to have at least a competent defense to compete at the highest level of college football. And we're seeing now that Alabama is not the Alabama teams of old. They're not a traditional Nick Saban Alabama team this year. It's We're going to say it's a down year. They have two losses, and that's what they consider a down year. So you could have read into that win for Tennessee over Alabama a little bit too much thinking that Alabama is still that standard of Alabama and that Tennessee could get by this year without having that great defense but as we saw that that's a glaring weakness that's going to cost them if they were to make the college football playoff or just playing in a big game against a team like Georgia or an Ohio State or Michigan it's problematic you need to be complete and I think right now looking at the field there's only three teams that truly fit that bill yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, there's a reason what there's four undefeateds left with the three teams you just mentioned plus TCU. Um, and I agree with you. I think Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan have all established themselves as teams that can win pretty much any way. They can win with their offense. They can win with their defense. All three teams have done it on both sides of the ball this year. 
Um, and yeah, I think absolutely. They're probably the three best teams in college football right now. Um, and I think defenses as a whole is kind of coming back. You know, we saw for a couple of years, it was those explosive offenses that were making runs, but now it seems like the def- the art of defense is coming back. You know, a team like Ohio state, which had an all world offense last year, lost two games, got beat pretty bad by Michigan, almost lost to Utah in the Rose bowl, giving up a million points. Uh, and it was imperative for them to, to fix that defense and overwhelmingly fix it uh, with the hire of Jim Knowles. And it seems to have worked out so far. And there are a couple of games this year you can point to for Ohio State specifically, where if they don't have that better defense, they probably don't win the game. Um, you, could, you could even see it last week against Northwestern. The Buckeyes only put up 21 in the swirling win, but the defense held their own. Same thing as Iowa the week before until the offense exploded there uh, in the second half. Um but it's just been interesting really to see how defenses have shifted back to being so imperative and the three best teams in the country right now, Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio state are all playing really well on the defensive side. Absolutely. And we look at another team that was in the top four this week in Clemson and they've been up and down this year as well, but they've gotten by, they have the talent to beat every team on their schedule, but they ran into a, the fighting Irish freight train on Saturday. No one expected a blowout win for Notre Dame. I know I, called the Notre Dame to cover last week and to win. So it wasn't far-fetched for Notre Dame to win that game. It was at home. You know, the way the two teams were trending, you think Notre Dame has a shot. Well, Notre Dame goes in and just throttles Clemson. I think that knocks Clemson out of the playoff race because Clemson's been that fraudulent team and the committee ranked more ACC teams than they probably should have, which gave Clemson more quality wins. They checked in at four over top of Michigan, and we're seeing that that proved to be incorrect. So. Looking at Clemson and how they've performed, now they're going back and forth with DJU at quarterback or Keg Klubnik. You know, you can't keep subbing the quarterbacks in and out, in and out. One of them or both of them is going to end up in the transfer portal. It's not good for team cohesion. Just for anything for that regard, you can't keep doing that with quarterbacks. Um, That's been Clemson's weakness the last couple of years is that quarterback development. It seems like the last couple of quarterbacks for Clemson, Trevor Lawrence and DJU will just say, have performed their best in their first year, and they've regressed as starters after that so i'm interested to see where clemson goes from here and i really think that they're out of the playoff race even with the one loss yeah clemson is always preaching that family mentality um they promote from within a lot um their players tend to stick around dabba doesn't take a lot of transfers and not a lot of guys transfer out they don't have a lot of guys decommit once they commit uh in recruiting and you know, at this point, it almost seems like that's starting to be a fault because there's a lot of flaws within that Clemson program right now. Um, the coaching staff has not shined like they had done in the previous uh, decade or so. Brent Venables leaving, I'm sure, was a big part of that. Jeff Scott, uh, who was actually just fired by USF, uh, was a former Clemson offensive coordinator for a long time. And then they promote within. Brandon Streeter has not been great for them. Um, and like you said, the last two quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and DJU, have regressed significantly after their first years. Um, And Clemson, I think right now, is a little discombobulated on who they are as a program. You know, are they still in that upper echelon? Have they fallen back, you know, to the 2013-14 teams that were still very good, but not exactly in that first tier of college football? Um, And the question for Dabo now is, where do you go from here? Like you said, they're probably out of the playoff race, barring some chaos. They can still win the league, though. They can win the ACC. And who knows what happens after that? So, Uh, Much like Tennessee, it's going to be a lot on how they respond uh, here in the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, Clemson does not have their identity right now. And we hear all this overreaction 
especially after Alabama and I lost that second game is, oh, the Alabama dynasty is over. It's ending. Nick Saban's reign is over. I want to pump the brakes on that with Alabama. Clemson, on the other hand, their reign atop college football, I think, is over. Just the way they're continuing to trend. I would be more inclined to tell you that Clemson is done more than Alabama would be done in that matter. Because the college football playoff race looks completely different right now. We're not going to get the same group of teams that we're used to seeing in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. You know, Georgia's, Georgia and Ohio State have been in and out of the playoff more than any of the other teams at the top this year, and we'll likely see those two teams in there. But you have Michigan in the hunt right now. You have Tennessee in the hunt. You have TCU. Oregon could make a comeback in there, although I don't know if they overcome that loss. USC, UCLA have a shot. There's a lot of different teams in the mix right now. What would your top four look like today versus what you think it will be on Selection Sunday right now? Well, right now, I think you got to give it to the four undefeated teams, which would be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, and TCU. I could see, I think it's a lock that Georgia's number one. Um, and in this situation, TCU is my lock at number four. I could flip Ohio State, Michigan. If you put Michigan two and Ohio State three, I wouldn't be mad. If you put Ohio State two, Michigan three, I wouldn't be mad either. Those are kind of interchangeable spots anyway. Um, and those two teams will have to play each other. Uh, on selection Sunday, I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it's going to be. Ohio State, I think they end up beating Michigan, so I think it's Ohio State. I think those two teams uh, will find their way in. I think there will be another SEC school, whether that is Tennessee or LSU um, or somehow Alabama. Um, I think there will be a third SEC school in. Um, and that fourth spot's going to be interesting because I think TCU drops a game, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if USC or Oregon can win out with one loss. Um, and then you got Clemson with potentially one loss at the end of the season as well. Um, so that's going to be a really difficult decision right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon in that spot. I think they would jump TCU if TCU gets a loss and uh, I'm just going to predict Oregon, but I am not confident at all. I could see the ducks dropping at least one more game. Uh, and I am, I am not confident in that fourth spot. Yeah. As I look at the playoff race right now as a whole, I completely agree with your top four today being Georgia, Ohio state or Michigan either way. And then TCU is, is locked at four. But then I look down the rest of the season and the games we have left. Obviously, we have that Ohio State-Michigan matchup after Thanksgiving. But I see Georgia as being a lock. I see Ohio State getting in. And then when you look underneath them, because they're the only two teams I'm confident in getting in the playoff right now, the Pac-12, Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Utah, they have this round robin that they're all going to have to play. right? And some of those games have happened. Some of them have not. I feel the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself. And again, like you said, you can see Oregon dropping another game. I can as well. I don't see USC having the resume right now to get into the playoff with what they've done. Granted, they have UCLA and Notre Dame left on the regular season schedule, plus a Pac-12 championship game. They have the opportunities to bolster that resume. But then I look at TCU. I think they're going to drop a game. They're seven-point underdogs this week to Texas. And Texas has a couple of losses right now, and they've been reeling in a couple of games, and they look like this unbeatable team that should be in the playoff. You know, just don't know what Texas team you're going to get. And I just don't know, even if Oregon comes out of the Pac-12, I know their only losses to Georgia, if they can overcome that big defeat that they had, because no team who's made the college football playoff has been able to do that. So when I look at the playoff, I'm most confident in saying Georgia, Ohio State, I think Tennessee sitting there at 11 and one, they lost on the best weekend possible because they were going to drop. 
but then three teams lost behind them. So then they just get to sit there at most likely five. So I think Tennessee would get in. And then the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, I said Ohio State's going to win. So that would put Michigan in at number four. Those to me would be the four best teams, the way I see the season playing out. Yeah, and I could see that as well, especially with that Ohio State-Michigan loser, as you mentioned, kind of sitting there potentially also with one loss. They wouldn't have the championship, but then again, neither would Tennessee. Um, and each of them would have some pretty impressive wins. Ohio State, uh, that Notre Dame win looks really good after last weekend. Uh, perhaps we wrote the Irish off too early there. Um, they beat Penn State on the road. Um, and now, obviously, if they were to drop to Michigan, that would be a win for Michigan. If they beat Michigan, that's a win for Ohio State. And Michigan's one loss would be then to an undefeated Ohio State team. Um, so I could certainly see that happening as well. Yeah, and and you look at the, the resumes of the Big Ten teams, you know, Ohio State's resume got a big boost this week. Clemson lost to Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, though they have three losses, is now going to be ranked. And they beat a top five team in Clemson, which is probably going to end up being a top 12 team in Clemson. But still, Notre Dame's going to be ranked. Ohio State's going to get that second ranked win. So then you look at Ohio State and Michigan in comparison on their resumes. It might make more sense to say if Michigan beats Ohio State, that Ohio State has the better chance of getting in as a non-champion than Michigan losing to Ohio State and getting in as a non-champion based on resume and the respect that Ohio State's already gotten from the committee. But when you look, under the expanded format, we're going to have one of the group of five teams get the automatic qualifier. But for right now, under this format, the group of five team that's the highest ranked gets the New Year's Six Bowl. Tulane right now is the highest ranked group of five team. So I want to ask you a question here. Liberty went down to Arkansas and Fayetteville and beat the Razorbacks. Is there a chance that Liberty gets to be the group of five team that represents them in the New Year's Six Bowl? Or do you think that Tulane just holds their spot and continues to win? and they get in, or is it going to be another team? Well, I hope it's Liberty. They have a couple of really nice wins. You mentioned that one in Arkansas. They beat BYU as well, um, and they're playing some really good football right now, and they, they've they been a perennial winning program since Hugh Freeze has arrived there, um, and they've done a really nice job. You know, I'm not really sold on the American Conference this year. Um, that Arkansas team at Liberty beat, beat Cincinnati, who obviously was a playoff team last year and has dropped two games. UCF lost. Um, and it's just, you know, that conference just doesn't really excite me at all. I don't really think there's any great teams in that conference. Um, so will Tulane be the byproduct of another, you know, AAC thing, like UCF had a couple of years ago when they went undefeated and were clamoring to be invited to the playoff? Uh, or will a committee see through it and put a Liberty team in there um, that's had a couple of really nice wins? And, you know, obviously we'll see how it finishes out. But um, my – inkling right now if I was a committee member would be to have that Liberty team you know it's not easy to win in the SEC um, and it's not easy to win on the road in the SEC and it's not easy to win on the road in the SEC when you're not in the SEC um, so that's a pretty impressive win for Liberty over an Arkansas team that'll go to a bowl game this year um, you know it's not like they're playing Vanderbilt or somebody this is a real opponent uh, who beat that Cincinnati team like we mentioned and you know it's really impressive for the Flames so far and, and it'll be interesting to see if Hugh Freeze uh get another marquee win if they end up making that New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a huge win for the Liberty program. And Hugh Freeze is a hot-button name for head coach right now, too. And I know Liberty just signed him to an extension for $4.5 million a year, and he's being tied to Auburn right now. But even still, Hugh Freeze is at Liberty, and every time Liberty seems to get into those games against a bigger opponent, whether it's Baylor, Virginia Tech, BYU, Arkansas, they don't get outplayed in that game. 
they show up and they're really good in that spot that they're in as the underdog and in those roles. I think it would be fun to have Liberty get into the New Year's Six Bowl because, like you said, the way Hugh Freeze has built and elevated that program over the last couple of seasons has been remarkable, to say the least. But I yeah. want to peek ahead. It was, oh, I want to add one quick thing on, on Hugh Freeze. You mentioned he's been tied to a lot of head coaching jobs this offseason. And, you know, he's another guy. We mentioned Brian Kelly earlier, but Hugh Freeze has really, you know, won wherever he's been. Um, obviously, he goes way back in, in pop culture and whatnot from – the blind side in those days and uh you know his previous head coaching stints at Ole Miss and Arkansas State and you know he's won pretty much everywhere he's been and you know he's been a pretty impressive coach and, and it'll be interesting to see whether he sticks with Liberty like you said they gave him that massive extension um so Hugh Freeze you know hot name well known around college football uh leading one of the premier group of five programs and you know he's, he's got a level of success at, at Liberty now, and and you wonder whether he wants to sustain it or whether he wants to try a new challenge. So interesting storyline to follow the rest of the year and into the offseason. Oh, definitely. And now I want to transition back to the Big Ten, talking about Ohio State versus Michigan. The game, these two teams have been on a collision course all year long, hinted at it in the preseason that it could be at 11-0 versus 11-0. That looks like that's what we're going to get, barring a complete unforeseen loss by either team. I know Michigan has Illinois the week before. I don't see the Wolverines dropping it. Both teams going to be undefeated heading into Columbus. What are your early feelings on this game? I know we've seen Michigan's rushing offense be absolutely elite, and Michigan's rushing defense has been dominant in the last couple of weeks. Whereas if you look at Ohio State, they ran the ball well early in the season, and they've struggled to get some push on the line of scrimmage since the bye week. That's cause for concern, but it also could be vanilla. What are your thoughts early on Ohio State-Michigan? Yeah, like you said, and like Joel Klatt has said all year long on the broadcast, you won't let you forget it, that these two teams are on a collision course for each other. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I could just watch Ohio State play Michigan State without having to think about Michigan, but unfortunately that's not allowed. Um, but yeah, no, that's going to be a fun game. And like you said, I think Ryan Day has some surprises for Michigan. You know, he lost last year. If he loses again this year, maybe he starts getting billed as a John Cooper type, you know, a guy who's going to win 10 or 11 games every year but can't beat Michigan. Um, so this is a big game for him and a big game for the program. And I think he's prepared to, you know, dole out some wrinkles here. Uh, his offense has been pretty vanilla. They haven't really ran the ball well, but you have to think there's something hiding beneath uh, the layers there. And similarly on the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State's going to be key for them to stop Michigan's running, rushing attack and make JJ McCarthy beat them. Um, but on the other side, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh coming off that win last year knows he can beat Ohio State now. Um, and he's going to have some surprises in store as well. And uh, neither team will be underestimating each other this year. And they never really do, but especially this year and, you know, playoff berth maybe on the line. So it'll be interesting to see this game. This could be the game of the year. There's a lot of confidence in that Michigan program right now. And they absolutely are going to come into Columbus with their head held high. And when you look at the historically Ohio State and Michigan over the last decade, Ohio State's dominated that series. And Michigan gets the win last year. But then you look at it coming in, Ohio State's not beaten Michigan in Columbus since 2018 because they didn't play the game in 2020. So it's been a while in Columbus since Michigan's come to town and the Buckeyes have been able to get a win just because they haven't been able to play in four years in Columbus. And then, you know, Michigan, quote unquote, dodged the game in 2020 with COVID. And then Ohio State goes up to Ann Arbor last year and they just get run over. So historically the winner of the rushing battle wins the game 
And you can't help but think when you're watching Ohio State's offense, you're like, yeah, in the moment you're struggling, watching, saying, oh, they can't get pushed on the line of scrimmage against Northwestern. How in the world are they going to do it against Michigan? Like me watching that game, I'm not thinking, oh, they can't get a yard against Northwestern. Well, what are they going to do against Michigan? So it could be the game of the year very well. I don't know if it unseats the drama of Alabama versus Tennessee and the buildup that was in that game. Nealon came alive. Tennessee's been down for so long. They've not been that prominent team on the national scene since 1998. But Ohio State and Michigan have been in and out of having this game be in the top five over the last couple of seasons. So I'm certainly excited for what we're going to see in Columbus in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. And, um, you know, you just wonder now the rest the last couple of weeks of the regular season, will any team be looking ahead? And uh, Ohio State's got Maryland the week before, who's having a good season. And Illinois, obviously, having a good season of their own, will take on Michigan. So uh, very imperative these next couple of weeks for these teams to shore up their weak links and um, look ahead. But, you know, you got to play who's on your schedule. And, and it's important for these teams to get things right and get ready for what hopefully will be an undefeated showdown. Yeah, it's going to be great. But this week in the SEC, another big showdown. We have Alabama going to Ole Miss. What are your early thoughts on this game now? Alabama dropped their second game. This was billed to be one of those trap games for Alabama where we thought they could get got by Ole Miss in the lane train right here. Because Lane Kiffin has historically given Alabama fits. But I don't, I don't see it this time. Just because Alabama lost that second game already, I don't see him losing the third game. I think Ole Miss is a little overhyped. They're more in that Clemson category of that fraudulently high, highly ranked team. I don't, I don't really see Alabama having trouble in Oxford. Yeah, I don't know. We've mentioned this with a couple of teams now, but it's going to be interesting to see how they respond this week, knowing that they're probably out of the playoff, uh, which doesn't happen to them this early. I don't know if it's ever happened to them this early uh, with a second loss here. And, you know, it's going to be interesting for Saban and, and his coaching staff to respond this week. His coordinators, Bill O'Brien, Pete Golding, have received a lot of criticism the last couple of days. And, you know, rightly so, but it all starts at the top. And Nick Saban, obviously one of the best. You'd think he'd have his guys ready, but like you said on the other side, you know, Lane Kiffin will bring a lot of energy. That home crowd will bring a lot of energy. Um, and Ole Miss wants this one. So it's going to be interesting to see which Alabama team shows up. And you, know, you could get the great one that probably will look like they could win the whole thing, or you might get the one we saw last week where they drop a close game. Yeah, I expect Lane Kiffin to have a bunch of wrinkles on offense. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Alabama to really try to put, just really just pound them down. And Alabama is out of the playoff race more likely than not with that second loss. So, yeah, how is Alabama going to play when they have, quote, unquote, nothing to play for? Because you go to Alabama to get a chance to go to the playoff, to get a chance to play for a national championship, and that's now off the table, and you're playing for just team pride basically at this point because you can't win your division, can't win the SEC, and you can't go to the playoff. So what are you playing for? You're playing for the logo on your chest, and does Alabama have it in them enough to do that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting the rest of the season. The SEC just always beats up on each other, and you know we're going to see it again this week with one of those two teams, Alabama or Ole Miss, uh, having to suffer a loss. And um, one of the intriguing storylines this year is, like you said, with the Pac-12 round robin has been the SEC round robin. And, you know, it seems like every year there's one team that comes out unscathed this year. It's probably going to be Georgia. Um, but that SEC championship game will be tricky. So 
a lot of interesting storylines in that conference to follow the rest of the year. Absolutely. And Texas was a team that played Alabama really close, and they find themselves favored by seven over TCU this week. TCU is one of the remaining four undefeated teams. So when you look at that matchup, and TCU's play from behind a lot this year, they've had to come back from wins, and that's been partial to why they're ranked where they are. The committee checked them in at seventh last week. Now, by default, they move up to four, most likely. And you're looking at a team like TCU, and is this the week where they lose to a team like Texas? Because Texas has the talent, and they've showed those flashes of brilliance, but then they also have been the team to blow a lead late or to just get their doors blown off. Yeah, TCU is going to be really interesting the rest of the year. They got Texas coming up, obviously. They're going to have to play Baylor. Um, and then they get Iowa State at home to finish the season before a potential Big 12 championship game. And uh, a couple of droppable games there. You know, Texas on the road is tough. Baylor on the road is tough. Uh, night game this weekend. You know, Texas really wants this one, knocking TCU out of the playoff. You know, they hear all the time, obviously, those Texas schools fighting for each other, not just to win the conference, but to win, you know, that Texas crown. Um, and the Longhorns, you know, obviously want that this year. They dropped a game in Texas Tech. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out and play this week. And this is a big statement game for TCU. Um, you know, a team whose best win this year is probably that 10-point win over Kansas State. And uh, this is a big one for them here on the road on Saturday night, taking on a Texas team, like I said, that has a chip on their shoulder um, and is still playing for, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or, or something um, that they can build on for next season as well when Quinn Ewers will be back. And, you know, they look to, to potentially assert themselves nationally. Texas is still alive in the Big 12, and it's really going to come down to how do they slow down Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson in that TCU offense. They've been able to score quickly and score in bunches this year. TCU's erased multiple three-score deficits in their 9-0 start this year. So it is going to be an intriguing game matchup-wise because how does TCU slow down Quinn Ewers and B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy? So a lot of storylines in that matchup. It's going to be a great Big 12 showdown. But let's transition into our picks here. LSU pulled the upset over Alabama last week. They find themselves favored by three and a tricky game against Arkansas, who just got beat by Liberty. So Arkansas backs against the wall. Desperation. They need this one. LSU coming off an emotional win. Do the Tigers continue their run and get out of Fayetteville and just escape with a win? Or does Arkansas pull the upset and give more drama? into the sec west yeah this goes back to the uh sec round robin i was talking about and a game in arkansas is not an easy one uh, I, I like lsu here i think now that they um are on the right track towards winning the sec west i think they're going to keep the momentum at least for this week uh, i like the tigers to win and cover yeah brian kelly is the perfect coach for lsu if you look at the coaches they've had in recent years to be in this spot Brian Kelly's been there before. He's been to the playoff before. He knows what it takes to bring it week in and week out. But LSU schedules, I know they have Arkansas and Texas A&M left in the SEC. And I know their records are not indicative of like, oh, I should be worried about those games. But that's two teams with their backs against the wall. So LSU is really going to have to be on their guard and mind their P's and Q's against those final two opponents who really have their backs against the wall after underwhelming seasons. But all that being said, I like LSU in this game to cover as well. And then we'll transition into Alabama Ole Miss and Oxford tied favored by 12. You like them to cover in this game? That's an interesting spread. I, I didn't think it was that high. 
Um, but I think there's a reason for that. We always say Vegas knows. I'll take Alabama on the points. Well, it's the same situation last week. Bama was getting a little bit more in, in Death Valley, and we're like, oh, Vegas knows. But Vegas does know this week. I'm taking Alabama and the points as well. Now we mentioned Tulane earlier being the highest ranked group of five team right now. They're hosting UCF, the Green Wave favored by two. Do you like Tulane to continue their run this year? UCF has history of winning in the AAC. I think that matters. I think UCF will take this one. Um, on the road, you know, Tulane has a very tough place to play. Um, and the Green Wave will be rocking down there in, in New Orleans, and uh, UCF will win. They'll cover. I'm taking UCF as well. Now we got Georgia and Mississippi State. Tricky matchup. Again, Georgia, emotional win, big win over Tennessee, favored by 16 and a half, a big number in Starkville against Mike Leach. Mississippi State quietly putting together a season with a really solid offense. They've been, you know, back and forth on defense, but they've got a they've got a flashy offense. Do you think they can keep it within the number on Saturday? Well, that's what Mike Leach does. You know, he has that flashy offense and um, I like Mississippi State. I like their program. I like Mike Leach, but this game will probably be close for a little bit. I could see it, you know, being tied after the first quarter within a possession or two at halftime. But I think in the end, Georgia will pull this one away and, and they'll end up covering in this. Yeah, this game could look a lot like how Ohio State Penn State looked, where it's back and forth and Mississippi State's hanging around and everyone's starting to get that belief of Mississippi State can actually do this. Mike Leach can pull the upset. He, they can really do it. And then all of a sudden, Georgia's just going to take over that talent, that wear and tear. They get to the fourth quarter, Mississippi State's tanks are low, and Georgia just swallows them in that matter. And Georgia ends up covering, I think, in the second half. But now we got a big matchup in the Big 12 we mentioned, TCU at Texas. The Longhorns favored by seven in a surprising spread. But is it really surprising because of how TCU has played this year, having to come back and erase multiple three-score deficits? Who do you like here? I'm going to kind of hedge this one a little bit. I'm going to take Texas to win and TCU to cover. Um, I think it's a close game. I like the Longhorns here at home at night. Um, I, I really like what Sonny Dykes is doing at TCU. He, he might win coach of the year for, for what he's done this year. Him and Josh Heupel obviously have to be right up there one and two at this time right now, I would say. Um, but I think I'm going to take Texas to win and TCU to cover. I actually agree with you. I like Texas to win this game. I said TCU is going to drop a game, and I think this is going to be the one where that happens. Steve Sarkeesian needs a win. Texas's offense is going to be extremely creative. They're going to score some points in this matchup, but I think TCU does end up covering because they've they've played really well this year, and they've been in that spot where they can play with the lead and run away with the game, and they've also had to erase deficits. So I like TCU to keep the game competitive. It's going to be back and forth. They eventually cover in this matchup, but Texas does get – a big win. And now we'll move over to the ACC, North Carolina and Wake Forest game being played at Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons favored by three and a half. Drake May is a dark horse, long shot Heisman candidate, but he's performed extremely well this year and is shooting up some draft boards for when he declares. I like what he's done this year. North Carolina's offense is a lot of fun. They're creative. They're explosive. They score a lot of points. Are they able to upset Wake Forest on Saturday? Well, a couple of things here. Wake Forest obviously dropped that one last week to NC State. Um, and like you said, Drake May is a great quarterback. 
Sam Hartman also good, but I think Drake May is better. And for those reasons, I'm going to take North Carolina to win this game. I like North Carolina as well. And I was leaning Wake Forest originally just because of Sam Hartman. And they dropped the game last week. They shouldn't lose two in a row. But Drake May has been a lot of fun. He's been a great story. Mac Brown, I like him in the spot here. I like North Carolina to win this ballgame. Now, the real question is, what are your girlfriend's picks? <laughs> I really need to ask her because she's in the top 200 now in ESPN system. I have, I don't think I have a shot of catching her because I'm trying to get all these upsets and I keep missing. And she just, she nailed the ESPN had about all the mid-majors in there, like South Alabama and Georgia Southern. I don't, I mean, come on now. And she nails all the games. You gotta be kidding me. There's like three games just like that. But well, um, when, you guys, when you guys go to Vegas, you'll probably end up being pretty happy. So, Absolutely. We might have to get her on here. She continues a streak. I mean, she's closing on the top spots just every week. Gains the ground, gains the ground. She's getting closer to number one than I am to her. And I'm I'm still at a 70% clip this year. Yep. <laughs> she's yep. better. Very impressive. So uh, listeners out there, hopefully we'll uh, get her on the podcast soon. And then you guys can go run to the sports books and uh, cash out a little bit. Seriously. But um, yeah, going to be. I don't think this is going to be as great of a weekend of college football as last week, but, you know, something new happens every single week. And the playoff rankings this week are going to be about what we expect. The top four teams being the four undefeated teams. Curious to where Tennessee drops to, where Clemson drops to is going to be a big storyline to see if they can play their way back into the discussion being a one-loss ACC champion. So we'll see. A, A lot to unpack here. It's going to be a really, really fun November and close to the college football season. There's a lot more parody and a lot more drama than we've been used to in the last couple of seasons. Now having a lot of new faces in the mix and a lot of possibilities for what that final four could look like. Yeah, there's always potential for a great weekend and this is no different. So looking forward to another one and, you know, we're getting close to postseason play, which is always a blast. So a couple of more weeks to go and the K it's been a chaotic season and, um, you know, hopefully that'll continue this weekend. It's been very exciting viewing. Yeah, I'm excited for it and we'll see what happens. Guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate it as always. Continue to be a friend and tell a friend about the show. Help us continue to get the word out. We thank you for your support. And this has been the Saturday Cadence podcast. We'll see you next week.